because I have like the whole like. <laughs> Welcome to the Blackthorn Grove, a podcast where witchcraft meets with friends and discussing the nature of community and magic. I am Amy Blackthorn, and thank you for listening. I have been really excited to get back to this, and I found my perfect interview in uh, waiting just next door to me at New Jersey Pagan Pride after a fabulous weekend at Temple Fest in Massachusetts with the Temple of Witchcraft. I got to hang out with the fabulous Jerry Mascaro at Pagan Pride Day in New Jersey. Lots of adventures, I'm sure we will we will chat about. Um, but before I do that, I figured I would let you know who we have to talk to. So JR is the author of Seal, Sigil, and Call, A New Approach to Ritual Magic. He has been working in his unique system of magic for over 25 years. It's from a system that the pan-idolist magical approach has been distilled. He's a sorcerer, artist, and meditation guide, offering services through his website at JR Mascaro, M-A-S caro.com jr holds a bachelor's in anthropology of religion and is a member of the covenant of unitarian universalist pagans you can connect with him on instagram at j r m a s c a r o so that was a that was a whole mouthful of stuff welcome to the show thank you for having me amy it's great to see you i am so tickled that we actually got to hang out and talk and be people both at temple fest and at pagan pride day because it's it's such a neat experience to go and be able to do these events as authors but because we're scheduled so tightly to make the most of out of our appearance time we never get to sit and hang out as like people so i'm i'm thrilled that we got to hang out and get to know each other so i would love to get to talk to you about your your brand new book um how that came about and all this fantastic and exciting things that have have come about since then. And I would love to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How would you categorize the the book that you've you've just released? Uh, And I don't want to say, where do you get your ideas from? (laughs) What is the, what was the driving force in, in putting this out after 25 years? So, this is a system that I have been uh, developing pretty much my whole life. Uh, and ever since I was young, I had, had a real calling to you know, investigate the mysteries, to uh, you know, interact and interface with the unseen world. And I could tell from a young age that you know, there, were, there were things that I had notions of that did not come from kind of this reality or this life. Uh, and I, being a very, very very inquisitive child, immediately started finding some sort of methodology around them. Well, this is what I see. This is what I experience. These are the things I'm interacting with. How can I, how is this repeatable? Uh, How can I affect this process? Uh, You know, and I was very empirical about it because I was a skeptical kid and I kind of am in a lot of ways about certain things. Uh, And I had to, you know, observe. I was like, well, let's, let's see what this is and let's see if I can do it again under the same circumstances and let's take notes about that and I have many many years worth of those notes and uh during COVID uh my whole department I, I am by day my uh, alter ego is mild a mild-mannered software developer uh and I my whole department got laid off and I said well 
you know, I've always wanted to write all of this down to collate all of these books, to take them and distill them into kind of their final or at least final at that point in life form. Uh, and so I did. And then I sent in my submission and then I, I proceeded to go find another day job and, and forget about <laughs> having submitted it for <laughs> uh, quite a bit. And then I got a call back from Llewellyn saying, hey, we'd like to discuss this. And that was lovely. Uh, and now I'm publishing it and I've, uh, I'm working on my next one, too, because I can't keep still. <laughs> Yes, that's right. It's and that's the hardest part. <laughs> I, I have unmedicated ADHD, so I'm just sort of flowing all the time. So my <laughs> editor, who is fabulous, uh, will get an email from me at two in the morning, going, "Hey, this sounds really awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> sure, let's let's do that." <laughs> I can I can relate to that entire that, that whole sentiment there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, seal, sigil, and call draws from an Eastern and Western traditions to form its own unique path. It introduces practitioners to a new school of ceremonial magic. This innovative book uses tantric, Kabbalistic, and traditional free spirit exercise, free spirit, <laughs> tradition free spiritual exercises to teach you concepts of energy and centered awareness. Then you'll progress to unique practices of pan idolism, J.R. Mascaro's A System of Ritual Magic. The system shows you how to contact and work with various eidolons, spirit entities that aid you in your personal development. Seal, Sigil, and Call helps to lift the veil of material awareness by providing powerful ontological tools that are free from the constraints of any one spiritual tradition. With Mascaro's guidance, you'll find a greater peace through inner exploration to manifest your highest experience of being. What a beautiful, beautiful experience just in, a, in the summation of the book like i just want to, i just want to live it feels like a hot tub of fabulous words and i just want to live there i i, I like i'm a fan of words as i'm treating you can <laughs> shocked this is my shock face <laughs> yeah, a lot of my a lot of my goal with it was uh i also being someone with adhd uh have a lot of capacity for very unorganized but very enthusiastic uh consumption of information so i kind of always sought exercises and concepts to mesh and align with the exercises and concepts that i myself had developed and the ones that i kind of had notions of from who knows where uh and it was very important to me, uh, all of my writing, and my next book is going to be like this too, which is actually really funny because I was talking to one of my friends about it and he was like, well, this subject seems like, you know, it's a little more like kind of, not everyone's into ceremonial magic, but my next book, which uh, is got a little more of a, a wide uh, arc. It's something, it's uh, it has things to do with divination, a couple other things that are exercised that a lot of people and, you know, interface with. But of course, and so she was like, okay, well, so it's going to be a little more like, a little less out there, right? And I'm like, oh no, it's going to be. <laughs> no, no, that's not a thing. It's, it's, no, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I immediately, when I write something, I'll, I'll have to go in and be like, well, all right, let's examine all of the concepts that we take for granted about reality and how this topic interfaces with it and, and like disregard those completely and see what we can come up with. So, so like I'm, I'm looking at my work cited list and there's like quantum physics textbooks and then there's like Dion Fortune. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we'll we'll see where this goes <laughs> we'll see if, we'll see if people look at me and go what what is this but that's it's good i feel like 
you're contributing something original people look at you and go what the heck is this but you're not wrong <laughs> I, my, I am currently surrounded by about a thousand pounds of books on esoteric magic with plants i i'm, I'm here for you i get it <laughs> how is what you're proposing you you mentioned ceremonial magic you mentioned some chaos magic theory there there's some pieces how does what you do differ from those more established schools? So what I do, I, I found has a lot of similarities uh, with kind of textbook, ancient Greek sorcery, where we get the word goetia and the goetes from, mm -hmm. uh, but it really veers into, it's not very formulaic and it, it comes down to kind of a smorgasbord. The idea is, I am taking a lot of concepts uh, and I'm taking a lot of things that people look at as different schools of thought, but really when you get down to the brass tacks and you take off the trappings and, and the icing, it's the same cake underneath. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm presenting those things and saying, hey, here are all of these concepts for interfacing with the spirit, for aligning yourself with the highest good, aligning yourself with a a position of harmony and of self-cultivation uh, and doing so through your interface with the spirit world and with uh, those parts of whether you define it as external entities that exist that you are speaking with through, you know, the, the indefinable ether of time and space or whether you are contacting a deep part of yourself mm -hmm. that is representative of those qualities that the spirit espouses and whether you even recognize those as different things because non-duality is definitely something that I, I talk about a lot as, as well uh, but no matter how you define it here are all of these pieces that you can take and you can put them into your own little puzzle uh, and make your own practice out of it which is really what my book is at its core about it's about introducing yourself to a wide variety of co, uh, you know, co-synergistic concepts mm -hmm. that you can then pick and choose from to build your own Lego set, essentially, uh, and say, I'm going to build my practice, and I think that I want to use these practices and these concepts and these rituals and these ritual formulas because I have those as well. Where it's, you know, let's let's break down a kind of a way of making your own ritual that you can follow uh, a matrix uh, in such a way that it's repeatable but it's tailorable for different uh you know different purposes and let's take all those things and let's cement them with what your personal truth is into a system that works for you uh and though the brass tacks of the system are going to be able to be communicated with so if i have my own pan idolist virtual practice which i do and someone else does having read the book while they might be completely different in theme, in in goal, in uh, what entities are actually invoked, how what materials are used, if materials are used, at the end of the day, we have a common lexicon that we can speak about and speak with to say, well, this is what I did. And I say, well, I understand that because I understand the framework you've built it upon. That's fantastic. It's great because when we're talking about ritual magic as a practice, there's so many different spokes on that wheel from my ends down in the animist witch section all the way to the iot and oto friends that we've gotten to speak about 
it's really lovely that we have the ability to sort of pick and choose what is really going to be the best method of magical practice for us, uh, both within and without. That's well done. Um, I did want to talk about a couple of the words that we're going to be using for those of you who are listening who might not be aware of some of the, the terminology that we're using. Uh, can we start with panidolism? So that is the term I have for my magical practice, my magical uh, methodology. And it comes, it's called that because we're talking about what I would call eidolons. And an eidolon is a spirit entity uh, that exists to kind of like a functionary of a specific uh, vibration in existence. So you might say the first eidolon you could, without much argument from me, call an eidolon of music or an mm. eidolon of joy or an eidolon of celebration uh, of, uh, you know, a kind of a, an embodiment of joie de vivre. Uh, and you then get to decide for yourself whether you are interacting with this eidolon as an entity that exists outside of you or an entity that exists in the deep parts of your unconscious or your collective conscious to say, you know, this is a part of me and uh, that I am manifesting because I want more of this quality in my life. Uh, but it is called pan idolism because the idea is that there are nearly an infinite number of these, uh, you know, entities, these intelligences. Uh, and indeed, one of the crux of the work when you get later into the book, when you've done kind of the, we I introduced you to 18 eidolons in the book, but there's actually a theoretically infinite a number of them because you begin the process of illumination, uh, of illuminating your own eidolons, where you are going out and involving yourself in the meditations and rituals that I provide to contact, if you are seeing it as an outer paradigm, or manifest in yourself, you see it as an inner paradigm those connections with eidolons and so pan idolism is called as such because the crux of it is that there are eidolons it is suffusing our reality that we can interface with to achieve effects and cultivate ourselves and grow fantastic how does that align with the idea of animism as we see it in popular pagan culture so I am, am very much, uh, you know, I, I am the author of this book, and therefore it is going to be colored by my by my <laughs> perceptions of reality. <laughs> and uh, the for me, I'm very much kind of a panpsychist in a lot of ways, insofar as I believe in kind of a divine thought pulse of existence, mm -hmm. that there is a consciousness that permeates all things, uh, and that this consciousness can exist both as kind of a uh, all permeating monadic kind of singular consciousness as well as at the same time because it isn't bound by things like time and space or the logic that we you know have for our, our world uh, it can also exist as fast as every other consciousness in existence uh you know uh, like a neural network uh, a web if you will uh and so for me an eidolon is just another expression of, of an infinite consciousness that is seeking to know itself and know everything else, which is also, in a non-dualist point of view, a part of itself. Fantastic. Um, when your approach comes together, do you feel that the, in the method that you practice, in the way that you've developed this, in, in popular witchcraft, we sort of get to the point where we move away from ritual tools and we embrace the, the moment is there a way to do this to where you graduate 
to a point that graduate is probably the wrong word where you get to the point where the the trappings are no longer as necessary and you're developing yep. that those relationships one-on-one with those yep. ones yep the app the the total goal really of the system is that uh and i have a couple metaphors i use for this one is a uh uh, paraphrase of a of a Zen koan, uh, which says, you know, if you meet the Buddha on the road, you must kill the Buddha, and prove what that means for those who are not as into reading Buddhist literature as I am, <laughs> is that essentially, at the end of the day, if you are seeking, you are not seeking to follow the Buddha verbatim in a, in a dogmatic way, you are seeking enlightenment. And even the words of the Buddha are a, can be a distraction from enlightenment. So if you're being distracted from enlightenment by going over the minutia of your texts, your holy books, get, get rid of that and keep going. Uh, and I have a very similar outlook on this, which is that the ritual is an introduction. Yeah. Uh, your formal ritual is a way that you connect yourself to, to these eidolons that you wish to work with, that you introduce yourselves to them in a respectful and formal and safe way. Uh, and eventually you start to operate on a level where it is, you are in a flow state, you know, um, and there's an intermediary where you're intermediary step where you're talking about what I call emblems, which is essentially you call an Eidolon into your circle and you say, when I do X, Y, Z, when I, you know, hold my thumbs up and give people, you know, the little thumbs up sign uh, and say a specific word, you know that, you know, you are, I'm calling on your energies to boost my confidence, et cetera, as an example. Uh, and that is kind of a small transactional, repeatable, like like a macro, I guess, if people yes. put it. Uh, and eventually, you, when you have very strong working relationships with Eidolons, that's most of your work is not done in a ritual circle. It's done by kind of pre-established invocation patterns. And then eventually after that, the idea is that you are, through your work with the Eidolons, starting to tap into kind of a harmony uh, of existence to kind of that that pulse of things and you learn to harmonize to recognize the notes of magic around you i very much believe that magic is a it's a conscious and living thing uh and you flow with it and you will learn not to question it eventually eventually one day you're like well i need to be at this location in this time i don't know why but i'm going to be and then after you know you have an opportunity to help someone to facilitate something etc well that's why i was supposed to be here uh, but really, you're following the music uh, that that is that thought pulse of magic. It's funny that's very close to how I teach uh, new students to read tarot. Is oh. you know we I you know people say oh you know I, I sit with the book and then I, I I I lay out the cards and then I go through the book and I look at each one, and the way I was taught a million years ago, my priestess looked at our class and said the little white book that comes with your tarot deck read it once and then throw it away now throwing away a book is yep. anathema in my, in my yeah. mind but <laughs> where, where she was going was she wanted us to get to the point where we feel in connection with that flow that you discussed and and you're allowing yourself to really dive in and accept the knowledge that you're receiving um i was talking with some friends recently i had a uh, a group i was teaching paranormal investigation classes at a shop in baltimore doesn't exist anymore otherwise i would absolutely tell you to go there um and it was it was the neatest thing we we went and we had a full day it was really intense i had to drive from delaware to baltimore to philadelphia and was going to go back to baltimore to go back to delaware and i and i just said no like we got we were in the limo we we're on our way back to baltimore 
and I made him stop on the side of 95 at the at the meeting center at the welcome center I'm like I'm getting out I'll call a ride I'll do something but I'm not staying in this car like I'm getting out right now I made the I made the driver pull over and let me they're like we're on the side of 95 what are you doing nope nope I'm getting out I'm done I'm done we're not doing this and I sent them one to Baltimore I was like I'll come and get my car tomorrow it'll be fine had somebody come and get me I my my flow is just so in in the moment yeah. I'm like no no we're getting out of the car they hit a deer on the way back to Baltimore and it was really uh, awful and uh, I was I was glad that I wasn't in the car yeah but uh I just want I want my you know my students to get to the point where they're they're no longer just acknowledging that this is a thing but they're following through and they're acting on their intuitive knowledge you know the it was the, the same friend contacted me a million years ago and said, Hey, I had this really awful thing and it was scary and it's a message. I just don't know what awful thing is going to happen. And I'm like, my love, what are you doing? Well, I'm waiting to see what awful thing is going to happen. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what we do here. <laughs> do something, move. That's uh, it's like the, the old adage about, self-defense you don't actually have to let someone hit you in the face to defend yourself you move <laughs> just move so <laughs> thank you for being so on that same wavelength yeah absolutely for me i i this is actually a confession everyone can can click their click their tongues at me for this but uh you know i've my got my first writer weight when i was i think 11 yeah uh, and i don't think i've ever read the whole book Honestly, because the way I was taught was like, these are intuitive triggers to awaken something in you. Yes. You know, take a look at it and see, see what, see what flashes. I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I, I have read enough books on tarot because I have friends who write books on tarot. I can tell <laughs> you what the, you know, the, the book meanings are probably supposed to be of every card, but it's just never been like something I do. And at, at that point, uh, at this point in my life, my, if I do divine, which I don't do often anymore for myself, at least, because I kind of strive to live in a absolute state of present moment consciousness yeah uh so but when i do uh, i tend to favor thrown object divination uh tossing bones tossing dice tossing mm -hmm. uh runes things like that and for me that's just because of the amount of pattern uh that can be established through what is essentially random scatter plot generation uh, a lot of my readings have to do with with proximity to one another and proximity to objects in the casting area Right. Uh, and there'll be a lot of that in my next book, actually, which is more divinity. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get enough of uh, the the traditional sortilege practices, and you know, people spend so much time and energy on tarot specifically, but you know, the rest of there's so much more out there that really deserves the, the same time and energy and attention. Who is your ideal reader for this book? Oh man, so <laughs> it's sticky wicked. I know, I'm sure <laughs> that is that is a. I mean, I I would love everyone to read. literally everybody. <laughs> <But that's, yeah. laughs> people who can read, and you know what? People who can't read, go learn to read. <laughs> and pe people who ha don't have time, listen to it when it's available. Listen, yeah, yeah. Listen to the yeah. Like, we don't have an audiobook yet, but I've done voice acting work. Maybe they'll let me do my own audiobook. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi everyone, you're listening to Easy Listening Witchcraft. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but... next podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> but. To me, I think it's very much someone who was probably like me when I was younger, uh, who's someone who's restless, 
uh, someone who really has a, a notion of wanting to deepen their spiritual practice, but not really jiving 100% with anything that's currently a, a set spiritual practice. Right. So someone who wants to go and make their own thing uh, uh, and wants to develop themselves and you know be the best version of themselves and in so doing, help other people, because there's a lot of that in my book, because a lot of a lot of calls to action about, you know, being uh, a vehicle for kindness and for, for positive change. But really just that inner desire and that desire to create, to be artistic with your spirituality, to be able to say, I, I want to make my own, you know, perfect practice uh, and also be able to share it. And I think that's one of the good things about having a framework like, like I present is that you can have your own practice and you can also share it with other people and have uh, a shared you know, vocabulary about it. And which is why I think my practice is very good for both solitary practitioners, which I have always been in historically. Uh, and also for groups though, because if you have, if everyone knows the terminology you're using in this little framework, if everyone knows, you know, understands what an Eidolon is and understands, you know, the different base rituals of, of this you know, path, of which there are only really three, uh, and then there's a whole lot of instruction on how to make your own, you could then say, well, I want to use these terminologies. I want to use, I want to call this a, a coven. I want to call this a circle. I want to call this a super rad book club. Like, you know, language is arbitrary as long as you're able, to, you know what you're talking about. It's there to, it, language is there for us to communicate ideas to one another. So whatever you call it, as long as everyone knows what that means, you can then work together. Uh, and I have a lot of things that about finding, fleshing out your own ideas like do you want to work primarily with eidolons who you might consider nature spirits do you want to do a lot of magic with plants or with stones or do you want to do you know very celestial things you're working with the movements of astral bodies and the movement of stars and things like that however you want to define it you can then build that framework around it uh and so for that the ideal reader would be someone looking to do that someone looking to have their own entirely unique to them practice while still being able to share that with a wider you know, group and a community uh, that will at least understand the base concepts of what they're doing. Fantastic. I love that this is geared not towards a specific audience, but that it's, uh, you say that it's a self-initiatory, pantheon agnostic, it's inclusive, It's and it's great for both solitary and for group work. This is so many people in our community who are reaching out and they're looking for a specific something you can build it yourself. Here are the tools right here. And it's not just ritual magic. It's not just this. It's not just that. It's whatever you need it to be in that moment, building from the framework. And that's really fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, can you define what seal, sigil, and call are? Yes. So... Essentially, the seal of an Eidolon, one might think of uh, as its mailing address, perhaps, or its even its phone number. It's a way to contact an Eidolon. It is a physical seal that is drawn. I usually do. I'm very big on ink and paper, as anyone who's seen my Instagram will know. Although right now, it's mostly pictures of my dog. But if you scroll back <laughs> a little bit, there's a lot of magic working on there. But um, there's... Uh, so it's actually, I use a pen and ink seal, seal drawing, but you could also, you know, anything you could make artistically you could paint a seal you could carve one you could dremel it onto something what would wood burn whatever you need it is a symbol representative of an eidolon that you meditate and focus on in order to achieve first contact with that eidolon uh, and eventually through contact with that eidolon which depending on 
yourself, your practice, and the idol on themselves. Uh, you know, it could take you know a few hours uh, across you know over the course of a few days, or it could take a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, there's 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 no hard and fast rule to make that first contact with an Eidolon, you do so by meditating on their seal. And after having a working relationship, they will give you a sigil, or you can assign them a sigil, actually, is more more appropriate, because all that is is a shorthand. So instead of having to draw a... So let's use an Eidolon that's already provided. Uh, the first Eidolon. The first Eidolon has a seal, and they also have a sigil. And their sigil is, for me, the lyre. Uh, you know, if it's a five, the five-stringed or seven-stringed instrument, and it's a very simple ink drawing I do of it. It's clearly made in about six lines. Uh, and that is what you would focus on when contacting them outside of a ritual setting. Because as, as we said, the goal is to pro progress to the point where you can do that. Uh, and the call is how you do that. You, you know, very similarly, so a lot of them I tend to um, structure and say, I stand in a circle of my own design. Uh, design here is meanings will. Um, you know, uh, I stand in a circle of my own design you know, and call you by, you know, usually some thematic conceit that is, that is important to them, um, you know, uh, and, you know, ask you, you know, to, to appear before me, uh, please abide with me, et cetera. So there's, there's many different ways to, to do it, but essentially that is the call. The call is a formulaic uh, three sentence about call that says, I'm holding this sigil, I'm saying this call. That's your cue to come, to come here in a setting that is not a big formal ritual setting because we already have a rapport. Okay. Uh, so the seal is that initial ritual focus touch point and the sigil, which can be, like I said, either a very small, you draw a symbol on a, on a slip of paper. You can have a little actual like carved, you know, representation of that sigil. Uh, however, you know, a trinket, you have a charm bracelet full of sigils if you wanted. Uh, it'd probably be very convenient. Uh, and the call is the actual word to use to call them almost like, you know, uh, so the seal is the the phone and you know the the call is the text message <laughs> perfect once you've developed this rapport once you've developed the 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 secret handshake and everything is moving forward what is the relationship do for the eidolon so one of the things i always say uh, whenever i give talks on this, which I, I did uh, at a couple of events, a couple of events recently. Uh, I did it at a Lehigh Valley Pagan Pride. Uh, and I'm also going to be delivering uh, some lectures on the Penitalist system this coming year at uh, Sacred Spaces as well as at uh, Paganicon. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Uh, We're going to have to and... hang it at Sacred Space. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and that's you know it's not not really a big drive for either of us, so we can chill out after we check out of the hotel too. <laughs> uh, the oh man, I lost I lost my lost <laughs> the question there in my my ADHD enthusiasm. What does but, the Eidolon get out of this whole business? Okay, yes. So thank you. <laughs> so the for me the relationship between a practitioner and an Eidolon is one that uh, is not meant to be uh, a service relationship in either direction. So I, an Eidolon is not a servitor uh, uh, that you can demand things of, nor are they a master that you should serve or worship. You, it is a, an Eidolon is a colleague. An Eidolon is an entity that wishes to, that it aligns with your goal. So if I am trying to learn to play the violin and I call upon the first Eidolon, 
first eidolon is an eidolon of music and of harmony and of joy and vibration and sound. And so they're not really getting anything out of it aside from the fact that I am engaged in and propagating the thing that they are. Uh, so, or if we're talking about, you know, the eighth eidolon, uh, who is entirely focused on uh, navigation and he's a wayfinder, he's there to help people find their best and most fulfilled path in life. When he's doing, or it is doing that, then it is, that is what it wants to do. You are giving an eidolon the ability to fulfill the vibration that it represents in existence. Uh, so it doesn't really get any, it doesn't need anything from you. It's already getting it by doing the work. Uh, yeah, and then for them, that's another thing uh, I say to them. I also want to just point out that I, I will use different pronouns for eidolons and eidolons are complete energetic beings. Uh, so they can appear to different people with looking completely different in form or being formless. Uh, with different gender presentations, different species presentations, uh, and there's no right or true form for a being that is by its nature infinite. Uh, I just want to put that out there because I've, I've seen people get, you know, in little get in tips about that. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, for for the way I see my idolons and the way I've worked with them, they'll they will they will appear as need they need to appear to get the message across to you. Fantastic. It reminds me of, did you ever do any, have you seen any of Brian Prout's work? Yes. In his original fairy oracle, there's a grouping of spirits that's not the the winged fae creatures that, that a lot of people associate with his artwork. They're, they look closer to nebulas, mm. like a spirit representation through the eyes of a nebula. Like that's that's what I'm seeing when you're talking about this. That's really fantastic. That's, that's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely going to be another question, and I'm searching my brain for where it came together. Uh, would you like to talk about your next project? So my next project, I don't know if I can. I don't know what I'm allowed to say about it. It's really early stages, but yeah, but, don't don't uh, don't, say, don't don't shoot yourself in the foot. Just yeah, but uh, but no, <laughs> I've, uh, in a little amorphous terms, uh, no, I'll be doing a a project that is approaches divination from from my own unique perspective uh, and from the perspective of kind of the panagolist view that I have. Uh, so it's going to really uh, assert questions about you know why we divine from whence we believe divination achieves efficacy, different uh, techniques around specific types of divination uh, that are that are less used today uh, and, and, you know, arguments for their revival and use uh, and uh, just ideas about, you know, the, the, the purpose of foreknowledge, the purpose of uh, prediction and the, the, notion of prediction if you adopt a paradigm that says time is is not what we think it is fantastic thank you so much for coming by the grove and chatting with me today <laughs> i uh, thank you so much for having me <laughs> this is this has been fabulous i um i appreciate you as a person and an author and that's an important distinction we don't, same hooray uh, we don't we don't get to have uh just general hangout times and i i think that's fantastic that we're getting to do that 
Like, you're, you're not too far away. We can like meet in like a, a diner midway. <laughs> yes, midway is probably ha like Chris and Tara's neighborhood. So. There we <laughs> go. Like, look, guys, little Deb Castellano is also around the corner. Natalie's aiming. We could just like have an author's meet oh, up yeah. in New Jersey. N Natalie's really close to me. <laughs> she texted me when she ran into you. She's like, "Oh my god, this is a thing." <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna have a New Jersey witchy author meet up. There we go. We can go somewhere we can bring our dogs to. Yes. Millie is super <laughs> excited and she doesn't even know you know I'm wearing headphones. She doesn't even know why <laughs> she's excited, but she's excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by and talking about a seal, sigil, and call. And I look forward to having you come back when your next book comes out. I I know I've been a little lax in the podcast the last couple of months. I've been writing two books. I, <laughs> I'm doing the second round of edits for book one and I'm finishing the deadline on book two. And oh. that's a lot for one year while touring. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone I, can handle it, it's you. That's right. It's it's what I do. I'm sitting I'm sitting here with my my current fidget. <laughs> like let's, <laughs> let's get let's go. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I thank you so much for your time and attention. Remember, we are all just trees in the forest. Nourish each other. <laughs>